Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how the Bible, Holy Spirit, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. Well, I hope you guys came ready to hear a word from God and and are prepared to receive, but let's pray really quickly. God, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your word that changes our life. God, your word says that it is alive and active. And so God, we just ask that you would use it to change us, use it to make us into the people that we need to be and want to be because we follow you. God, help us to be more like your son each and every day, growing, changing, and loving the way he loved. And God, we just thank you for this. In Jesus' name, we pray for our country. We pray for the leaders of this country. God, we pray that you will do amazing things through the men and women that are leading our country. Even if they're not following you, God, you will direct their steps to bring Canada to a place that you want it to be, where your word is the dominant force in people's lives, that your son is what we base our life off of, not off of feelings, not off of tragedies, not off of anything else that goes on around us, but off of who your son is. And God, we thank you that we have such incredible leaders here at Springs Church. We pray for the leadership team. We pray for Pastor Zach as he guides, as you guide and lead him. And as he takes on that role of senior pastor, God, we just pray blessing over him, wisdom over him, guidance over him, and God's strength and life over him, that you will protect him and you will keep him in your hands, in your arms. And God, we just thank you for this. And God, we just thank you for where you're taking us as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I I got a a story to tell you guys. It it was crazy. I'm at the gym, and we're in the locker room, just changing, getting ready for the day because I lift weights early in the morning. and, And this phone rings near us, and there's a bunch of guys sitting around, and, and changing and stuff. And, and the, this guy looks at the phone and then he kind of grabs it and he's like, hello. And uh, this, you could hear the lady through, like, you know how sometimes you can hear through the phone. She's like, hi, honey, are you at the club? And she's, he's like, yeah, I'm at the gym. And she's, he's like, okay. Um, I, I, I'm at the mall right now and um, just walking, doing laps. And there's this jacket that's hanging in the window that I would really like to get. And She's like, well, how, how much is it? And he's, she's like, well, it, you could hear it, fif- about $1,500. And he goes, well, you know what? If you like it that much, go ahead, grab it. Um, you, you, you know, I'm sure it'll look great on you, so go ahead. And she goes, well, I, I also, <laughs> I was driving by the Mercedes dealership, and, and on the way, I kind of stopped, and, and um, one of the new SUVs, like, I really liked it. And it looks amazing. The sticker price is 80000 just baseline. And he's like, oh, okay. Um, well, for that price, if you really want it, for that price, get everything. Like, it better be loaded for that price. She's like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And then he's, you, you hear it kind of goes dead for a, a few seconds. And we're all just kind of like, 
we all stopped what we were doing, right? Like we're going, who is this guy? Right? I wish I could be that kind of husband. And so everybody's just silent. And then she goes, well, and I noticed this morning when I was on the internet that that house we really liked, um, it's back on, on the market again. And he's like, oh, okay, how much do they want for it? And she's like, 950000 He kind of takes a deep breath. He goes, well, you know what? Offer 895 See what happens. And then we'll go from there, okay? And she's like, oh, thank you so much, sweetie. You're the best. And we're all of our mouths are dropped at this point. Like, we're just like, who is this guy? Like, gave her everything she wanted. And then he puts the phone down, and he sits down for a second, and he looks up at us. He goes, does anybody know whose phone this is? <laughs> okay, that didn't really happen. <laughs> Had you guys all, what? Wives are elbowing husbands. <laughs> the title of my message today is Enjoy the Journey. Enjoy the Journey. And a few weeks back, sitting in service, listening to the message, and it was just like this rush of information. God just started like, downloading into me. And so I start taking, well, I was taking notes, but now I switch to a different note and I'm like writing the notes in my phone as fast as it could, as it was coming to me. And it was about the Israelites when they were leaving Egypt. And it was just, I'm like, God, I've read that story. I don't know how many times, like what's new in there that I don't know about. Right. And so he just kept going with just this download of information. And so I thought, you know what, let's get into it today, and, and hopefully it'll help some of you. It definitely rocked me a bit, and, and I really realized some of the things that were God was trying to say to me personally. But, you know, it's amazing to me in Exodus 12, 34 through 36, they start their journey, and I don't know about you, but I, I'm just putting myself in their shoes, okay? They are now getting free from the bondage that they were in for 400 years. And they've also, the Bible says, they've stripped the Egyptians of all of their wealth. I would be pretty pumped. I would be like dancing in the street, dragging my bag of goods with me of all the stuff that they just gave, all the silver, gold. They were walking out with all the oxen. They were walking out loaded. The Bible, I'll, I'll read it because you're going, no, he, he joked before. Is he joking again? The Israelites took their bread dough before the yeast was added. They wrapped their kneading boards in their cloaks and carried them on their shoulders. And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. And the Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably. After the plagues, I don't know how they could look favorably. On the Israelites, and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. Like, okay, so I'm, again, put myself in their shoes, and I'm going, okay, these were incredible miracles that they saw. God doing incredible things in the land and, and the, all the different plagues, and I'm not getting into all of that. But then it says that God didn't take them straight to their destiny. This is a spot I was like, what? I've never read this before. God didn't take them straight to their destination. He walked them around the long way 
before they even got to the Red Sea. And it says, because if they go past the Philistines and, and see war, they will turn around and head back to Egypt. And I, right there, I'm like, wait a minute. You have just seen all kinds of miracles. You have just walked out of Egypt with everything. And just because the Philistines stand in your way, like, I don't know what God's going to do, but look what he did to them. That's the way I'd be thinking, right? Okay, I'm the only one. And the crazy thing to me is in Exodus 12, 41, it says this, and it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, on that very same day, it came to pass that all of the armies of the Lord went out of the land of Egypt. So God calls them an army, and then a chapter later, just a few verses later, says, but this army can't fight because they'll turn around and run back to Egypt. And I start thinking, man, how does that parallel with me? When I run into difficulty, when I run into tough times, what's my first reaction? How do I respond to a difficult situation? Then God, it says, God goes before them by fire by night and a cloud by day. And then they go, they get to the Red Sea and that, that's where things get crazy again. And I'm, I'm not going to read all of this, but in Exodus 14, you can look these verses up yourself. In Exodus 14, 10, um, it says now... And Pharaoh approached the armies, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us here out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? What have we, you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Say what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just baffled. Did we tell you this would, didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Like you, you guys are crazy. I don't know. I'm just kind of reading myself into this story. Okay. And then they, they, the Red Sea parts, God's guiding them, fire, pillar, you know, fire by night and cloud by day, and they're, they're taken care of. They get to a place called Mara for the bitter, the water was bitter. They complained again. You'll see a pattern in a second. Then God made the water sweet, and then they got to Elam. This is pretty cool. There was 12 pools of water, palm trees everywhere, talking about how God had provided for them. And then again, Exodus 16, if in, in verse 3, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat. They were slaves. Come on, filled with meat. Oh, yeah, it was brimming all right, I'm sure. And ate all the bread we wanted to. What is this, an all-you-can-eat buffet? Like, I'm, I'm just, again, I'm just like, what? no, that, come on. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. What a horrible man Moses was. Then a chapter later, they get to a place where now they're, they're thirsty. And verse Exodus 17, 3. But 
tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, and our livestock? We're all thirsty. Like, come on, people. And I I start kind of paralleling my life with some of the events, some of the things that have happened in my life, and how I responded in the midst of some of those trials. So Israel leaves Egypt with all the spoils, conquered the city, led by God by fire by night and a cloud by day, gets to their first obstacle and starts whining and crying. The Red Sea parts. I'm just summing this all up so we're all on the same page. Turns bad water into good water, gives them food to eat, guides them by, like, he did so many crazy things to guide them and direct them. And I watched their emotional journey through all of this. And I was like, holy cow, are we not the same? <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys watch some of the same thing or see some of the same clips that I see and some of the same preachers that I hear and and it's it's over you guys this is the end I almost decided to look up revelations but I know what revelations says at the end Jesus comes back and he looks awesome you know his robes were white but dipped in blood he's got fire coming out of his eyes. He's got a sword coming out of his mouth. His hair is blowing and it's like he's on this horse. Like I wish I could bring somebody up on a horse just trotting across right in front of you right now. You guys be like, whoa. That's what our end times looks like. Jesus wins. Like we get so caught up in all the things we're hearing. Oh, prices. Oh, gas. Oh, you know, and we get caught up in this emotional roller coaster and we become just like the Israelites because hard times start to press against us a little and we start to go, oh God, what's going on? Do you got our back, God? Has he not shown his faithfulness before? Has he not shown? Come on, give God a hand. The Bible says that he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. At the end times. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that. Now, I get it. If you're under, you know, you're not married and you want to get married. I was that way too. God, wait. Just wait till I'm married. Then you get married and God, just wait till the kids come. Now I'm like, God, now just wait until my kids have kids so I can have grandkids. Because I hear that's really fun. Right? Like, we always have a reason why. But Here's the cool thing. If God has given us all of these great things in life, how much better is eternity going to be? And we get so caught up in the temporal, in the temporary, that we miss out on the fact that even if this is the end times, which the disciples thought it was as well, even if it is, though, we win. We go home. It's going to be awesome. So when you hear somebody doomsday, just renew your mind to the fact that God has your back. It says in the word that he's, the, the psalmist says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. If you are in Christ, you are righteous. And it, the Bible says he's never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. 
we are not going to wind up destitute, wind up going, oh, I can't survive, like the Israelites. And so through this journey, I kind of got a couple of points that kind of hit me. And, and I was like, okay, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to process this and go a little bit further with it. Number one, don't let other people, don't let past issues, don't let what the world is saying dictate your life today. Don't let other people, don't let past issues, and don't let what other things, the things that are going on around you dictate your day-to-day. Bad things happen. I know, it's horrible. I hate when bad things happen. We can easily start to identify with those bad things, though. We get our identity in the midst of those. I'm not defined by my worst day, nor am I defined by my best day. I'm defined by my relationship with Christ. And as I read through what the, the, the Israelites were doing and the excuses and the whining, I realized it was because they had a victim mentality. And I look around our society today and I look at how many people are choosing to be victims to things that have happened in their life, to maybe even things you're going through right now. And if we remain victims, we don't get through the issue. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors, not that we are victims through Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I don't want the things that are in my past to be what defines my life. I don't want the things that have happened to me in my past to be who I am today. I don't want what my family was to define my marriage today. I don't want what happened to me when I was in grade school or in high school or in university or in the last number of years, define who I am today. I want to become what God says I am, and I want to live the life that God says I have, and I want to walk out the purposes that he has planned for me. And it never says in the Bible that because Jesus is coming back, the Christians are going to suffer. It never says you have to stay in those past offenses. It never says that you are what's happened to you. In fact, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that the old person in me is dead and I am new in Christ. That isn't just when I accepted Christ. That's every single day. I am new in him. It's a brand new day. Anything that happened yesterday is done and gone, and I don't have to live in that. I don't have to camp in that. But so many times I find that even as Christians, we start to camp in it because of the way it makes us feel. And we go by our feelings instead of what the truth is. I don't need very many, you know, like, <laughs> wow, my head goes places and I'm like, should I say this? A lot of times people are seeking prophetic words, words of knowledge. You know what? God said everything I need to pertain to life and godliness already. And if I just get in, amen, if I just get into this and dig in and start reading it daily and start really asking questions as I'm reading it, 
it begins to change me from the inside out. And I don't need new revelation. I just need to look at some of the stuff that happened and, and some of the stuff that Jesus says and some of the stuff the disciples said and go, okay, God, how does that apply to me? How do I use that in my own life? And I don't want to live a victim to something that happened to me 15 years ago. I don't want to live a victim to something that happened to me last week. I want to live in the goodness that God has for me. I heard a quote. I don't remember who it was, was by, but I liked it. Often we suffer more in our imagination than in reality. I was like, okay, I'm going to write that one down. And now I'm not trying to downplay if there's bad things that have happened in your life. I just want to make this clear. We've been, most of us have been through some tough things, hurts that really did hurt, but I don't want to stay in them. I want to live beyond them. I want to live the life God designed me to live. And the funniest thing to me is they were blaming Moses when in all actuality in Exodus chapter 2, it says this in 23 and 25, years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groanings and remembered his covenant promised with to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he looked down on the people of Israel and he knew it was time to act. He acted because they cried out to him. They asked to be set free. And I find it in my life so many times, and I'm just speaking from my heart here, so many times I'm asking God to do something, but I don't always like the way he does it. He should do it my way. The second thing I saw is I need to trust God in the journey. I need to enjoy the journey. And when I trust God in the journey, it changes the way I look at everything that happens to me. There's something, that this is something that I continually have to make an effort with. It's not something that, hey, I trust God. I love Psalms 28.7 in the Amplified. It says this, the Lord is my strength and my impenetrable shield. My heart trusts with unwavering confidence in, the Lord, in him. And I am helped. I love that. My heart trusts with unwavering confidence. So many times it seems like when I'm going through something new, when I'm going through something different, that I start to waver in that trust. Do you trust him unconditionally? I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe your word. If your word says it, I'm going to follow it. I'm going to live it. And I'm going to trust you, God. The, the Israelites had fire by night and a cloud by day. Now, here's the thing that cracks me up when I got into that thought. If we, if, if we had a country that was going through Canada from coast to coast, and they had a pillar of fire guiding them by night, and a cloud that protected them by day. Do you think, I, it, who here would be the first one to oppose them? N nobody? You're like I am. I'd be like, go on through. Go on through. Pass on through. That's great. Can I get a little heat from that fire? Because there's snow on the ground already and it's only uh, October here. 
right? Like these, they were afraid of the Philistines. They were afraid to go into the promised land. They were afraid. All they had to do was trust in God. And so many times it's the same thing for us. God has done amazing things in each of our lives. All we have to do is step back and think it through when we're going through a hard time and remember what God has done. If I look back on my life, and I'm not talking about some of the funny, cool stuff that he did in my life, but at age nine, I I remember giving my life to him. Sitting in church, I can remember the church building, and I can remember sitting next to my mom in the service. And at the end of the service, I raised my hand, and I'm sitting there, nine years old. I don't remember much from my childhood, but this I remember clearly. Sitting there crying, and my mom goes, what's wrong? And I said, I raised my hand. And the pastor was calling people up to the front, and she's like, do you want to go to the front? I'm like, yeah. And so I walked up to the front, I gave my life to Christ for the first time that day. And then at age 12, I had this incredible experience at youth one night where God just seemed to take a scrub brush and clean my heart from the things that I felt like I was doing wrong and all the bad things I felt I had at 12 years old. I don't think it was that bad, but it it was a cool moment. At 16, I knew I was called to be a pastor. I knew the calling of God was on me. At at 18 is when I got good and saved, which is where I really decided I was going to follow him. At 19, I started learning how to growing my relationship with him and getting my devotional life down and started learning how to hear his voice. And at age 22, I wound up going to New York and God was giving me an option. You could either stay in Phoenix or you could go to New York. And I was like, God, I'm sure you guys, if you've heard me preach, you've heard that story. Then I remember at age 29 coming here and I didn't know for sure, 100%, this is what God wanted for my life. But you know what? I had a peace in making the decision to come here. And then at at the end of that year, I knew at the end of that year, I was supposed to follow Pastor Leon and Sally. And then recently when there was another rocky time in our lives with Pastor Leon passing away, I just knew that God had called me to follow the Fontaine family. I can go back and look back no matter what happens in my life. I can look back at moments like this and go, God, I know you're with me. God, I know you've got me. God, I know you're leading me, maybe not with a pillar of fire, but you're guiding my steps, and I'm going to trust in you. And so many times we get roadblocks that are getting in our way and, and issues that are behind us, like the Israelites at the Red Sea, and God says, I got a path for you. So many times we got a, a bitter water in our life. We got bitter things that are happening, and God says, I'll make that sweet for you. When we see lack, God shows his abundance. God has so many things that he has in store for us that if we stay stuck and not trusting him for our future, we'll miss out. Psalms 37, 4 and 5 says, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Psalms 125, 1 to 2 says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. It doesn't end. It doesn't stop. It doesn't finish. And as I was preparing this, I started listening to a few different, I actually started listening to a neuroscientist. And I was like, oh God, how does this relate 
to my message. And how do I tie this in? So many times when we're going through hard things, when we see difficult times, when we see difficult things in front of us, we have to change our perspective. And this neuroscientist started talking about when we have a goal in mind, the goal becomes the priority and not the journey that we take. And he talked about a study that he and a, a professor in Stanford University did. And I don't know where he's a university professor, but he, they did a study on children. And what they did is they started watching these preschoolers in kindergartens watch. Uh, they were coloring and, and drawing and doing all this stuff. And they did it just because they loved it. And they would color and they would play and they would do all this stuff. And so they started rewarding the kids. They started giving them a prize, stickers, whatever, for their art and for the things they're coloring. And then they took away the prizes. And what happened was the kids no longer wanted to do it just on their own. They wanted the reward. They wanted the prize. And I was just sitting there going, wow, isn't that just like us sometimes? We get the end goal in mind, and along the journey to get there, we're not enjoying the journey. We just want the goal. But I have found that when I reach the goal, I got a new goal. I don't even get to celebrate much because I've already started another goal. And if I don't enjoy the journey, see, this is the, the opposite of a growth mindset. A growth mindset is the striving to be better. That's where in itself is more important than the end goal. Because the growth mindset is I'm enjoying growing in the midst and I will get to my goal. And so many times we get the reward from the end instead of getting the reward from the effort. And I realized as I, I started thinking about this, so many times I, I would start working out, I would start enjoying fitness, I would start enjoying, but it was the end goal and it was taking too long to get there. It never happens fast enough. It was real. It seems like it was just overnight. I went from about 175 pounds to 250 pounds, but it sure seems like a long time to go from 300 down to the 225 that I'm at right now. Took forever. And it was a hard journey and it's still I'm on this journey. But so many times we want to see the end result more than we want to enjoy the journey. And what I realized what I had done different this time, and I didn't even know about this, is I started really enjoying the pain of lifting weights. I know that sounds weird, but I really started to engage. Man, when I would get done with my workout and you get into the shower, anybody who lifts weights, you know what I'm talking about. You get into the shower and you can't even like, you gotta, what am I, my arm isn't going all the way up. Like, cause you worked it out or, or when your chest is sore from working out that day or when your arms, you just kind of twist me like, oh, my tricep hurts. That to me started becoming the reward. Why? Because I knew with that pain came the, comes the end result. And if every day I get excited about getting up and doing the routine and pushing myself and pushing my body, it's the same thing, getting up, spending time with God. Even though I don't feel it sometimes, 
still spending my time with God, getting up, spending time with my wife, getting up, spending time with my kids, getting up, spending time with the people I care about, getting up and doing the things that I know are important to do, even when I don't enjoy all of them. If I start to say, you know what, this is fun. If I start to tell myself, and this neuroscientist actually came down to this, they, they, they discovered that if you can actually enjoy the pain in the process, you will start releasing dopamine in the midst of the struggle. And your brain will start to engage. This is fun. I know it sounds crazy. When we start doing difficult things and we realize, hey, you know what? The end goal is on the other side of this pain. I just got to keep at it. The dopamine starts to be released and you start to love the journey. And you start to enjoy the process. You start getting reward from the effort and the doing instead of the end result. So I started asking, how in the world do you do this? So I started watching more of this guy's videos. And he actually said, in the, in the time of the most pain, you got to tell yourself, because it's painful, this is good for me. What? I was like, so count it pure joy when you face trials of all kinds? Oh, come on. This is biblical. And I'm sitting there. And I'm like, holy cow. God knew what he was talking about. I'm not counting it pure joy because I love pain. I'm counting it pure joy because I know that pain is going to result in the end result that I want. And even when I'm struggling in my marriage, even when I'm struggling with my kids, even when I'm struggling at work, I can say, you know what, God, the struggle is going to get me where I want to go. The struggle is going to produce in me the patience. The struggle is what's going to be fun. So if you tell yourself in the, in the moment, this is what they said, if you tell yourself in the moment, I'm doing it by choice and I love this. And I was like, man, that's straight biblical. And you're like, how? Show me that one. All right. Romans 4, I'm not going to read all of it. Six, well, yes, I am, just because I, I got lots of time. Okay, I'm over time, but that's beside the point. Romans 4, 16 and 17, it says, and this is in the Amplified, therefore, inheriting the, the promise depends entirely on faith. That is, confident trust in the unseen God, in order that it may be given as an act of grace, his unmerited favor and mercy, so that the promise will be legally guaranteed to all the descendants of Abraham, not only those Jewish believers who keep the law, but also those Gentile believers who share the faith of Abraham, who is the spiritual father of us all. As it is written in Scripture, I have made you the father of many nations. In the sight of him whom he believed in, that is, God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. So when we speak in the midst of our struggle, God, I know you've got a great plan and I'm going to walk through this thing with incredible joy and incredible strength and incredible peace because you're with me. And the dopamine that God designed to release releases and we're just like, wow, God, even in the midst of this, you're doing amazing things. That's what science is proving. When we speak things that are not as though they are, like God says he did, which God says we do, that's faith. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I don't see the end result yet, but God, through this, you're going to do amazing things. And when we have that mindset, that's when the journey becomes fun. Because no matter what I go through, God, I trust in you. No matter what I'm facing today, God, I know you've got me. No matter how hard this is today, God, I know we're making it through because you've got my back. And even though the water may be bitter today, sweetness is coming. Even though I may feel pressured from behind and in front, you're going to direct my steps. God, no matter what I face, and I know if you listen to me enough times, you know I come back to this so often, trusting in him. Why? Because if we don't completely, and again, I love the way Psalms 28, 7 says it, an unwavering confidence in him. God said it. I believe it. I'm walking it. If we have that, doesn't matter what the enemy throws our way. doesn't matter what struggles we go through. I have unwavering confidence that God's going to take me through. And I'll finish with this thought. You may feel like, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not always the greatest Christian. Neither am I. And that's the beautiful thing because it's by his grace, his unmerited favor. Once we accepted Christ into our life, we walk in that. We are the righteousness of Christ Jesus. And so I get the blessings that God promised, not because I earned it, but because God provided it for me. God made a way for me. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what your struggles are. I don't know how tough it is for you right now, but God will see you through. Trust in him, trust in his word, stand on this. Find verses that you can stand on and say, I believe this, I am not. It's unwavering confidence in Christ that you've provided it for me and I don't have to earn it. All I gotta do is receive it. Trust in him, believe in him and this journey will become amazing. God, I just thank you. Thank you that we can trust in you. We can put our hope in you. We can put all our cares upon you. Your word said, because you care for us. God, I don't know what people are going through. I don't know what struggles they've been going through, but God, we choose faith over fear. God, we, we choose to trust you in the midst of the, the battle, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the crisis. We're going to trust in you and trust your word. And God, we just thank you that what Jesus did on the cross paid the price for all of our, all of our issues, all our sickness, all our disease, all the things that we struggle with. Jesus paid the price for those so that we could have life and life full. This morning, if you're not sure if you're, you have a relationship with Christ, maybe you've been coming to church for a little while and You've never asked Christ into your life, or maybe this is your first time today here at Springs, and you don't have a relationship with God. I want to encourage you. God loves you. 
God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for you. To take your place. So it doesn't matter what things you've done wrong. It doesn't matter how bad you feel or bad, how bad you think you've done. You're forgiven by God. All you have to do is ask for it and receive it. The Bible says if we confess Christ with our mouth and believe what he did, we will be saved. So we're going to pray a prayer, and everybody's going to repeat it after me. But if you would like to pray that prayer today and accept Christ into your life and say, you know what, God, I, I want to trust you. I want to follow you. I want you to take my bad situations and turn them into good. If that's you today, and you'd say, you know what, I, I want to join in that prayer, I'm just going to ask you quickly, raise your hand and give me a wave and let me know. I want to pray that prayer with you today. Thank you. Anybody else today, you want to pray that prayer with us? Just give me a look. Awesome. Thank you back here. Thank you. Anybody else today? Just in the middle section here. If you're in that middle section, just quickly raise your hand. Give me a wave. Over here on the left, that's you today. Just quickly give me a wave. Going to look through the crowd one more time. If that's you today and you'd like to accept Christ, just quickly raise your hand. Awesome. Let's pray this prayer. Dear God, thank you for your love. Thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for me. I accept you now. I ask that you'd come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.